Hey Who fans, welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name is Gary. My name is Adam. And we're at episode 178. Yes! Have you ever thought what it's like to be wanderers in the fourth dimension? Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. There's no point in being grown up if you can't be childish sometimes. The trouble with time travel is one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. Great men are forged in fire. It is the privilege of lesser men to light the flame. I'm the doctor. This is Rose Tyler. She's my plus one. Is that all right? That would be me. Hello. Surprise. Boom. Etc. I'm the doctor. Do everything I tell you. Don't ask stupid questions. And don't wander off. How can you kid this? I don't like the colour. Howdy, howdy, do who fans? Welcome to 178. Hope you've all had a cracking week and that you've managed to do something. Something. Doctor, Doctor who. who related. Related. Yeah, hope you have. It's a bit uh, quiet out there at the moment. The silence <laughs> is among us. Yes, oh, don't say that. Got any marks on your arms? <laughs> oh, let me, no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. You're good. Yeah, so if you've had a cracking week, thank you very much for all the uh, comments. We've, we've seemed to have an f- influx of, uh, of cool stuff coming in over the last week. Had some really cool uh, couple of reviews drop in iTunes, which is lovely. Thank you so much for that. Oh, nice. We've had a few people tweet as well, saying that uh, they've, putting their hard-earned free time into listening to the show. So that's really awesome. Thank you so much. Because we are we are one of but many of Doctor Who podcasts out there. Mm. And uh, it's really nice when people say that. that they, uh, some people have said, we only listen to you, which is incredible. Wow. Mm. Which is uh, unbelievable, really, because there's lots of really good... I don't, I don't know about you, but... I certainly listen to a, a bunch of Doctor Who podcasts. Yeah, me too, week. mate. I've got yep. I've got loads that um, that fire up on the old iPhone when they when they drop, and uh, yeah, I've got a few regulars that I listen to. Same. Yes, yes. some good ones out there. Yeah. yeah, we'll do. Um, we'll probably do some recommendations at some point. We've got a Q and A coming up at some point in the next month or two. We haven't done one since Christmas, mm. so we'll do one of those at some point. And uh, if you guys want to know what other Doctor Who podcasts or YouTubers that we watch, we can fire you a few of those but yeah thank you so much for uh the peeps this week that have um reviewed us and sent in nice messages very very nice very much appreciated yes coming nice. up on today's show we've got a couple of bits of news a couple of bits of merch to go through and then we're on to the review of the girl who waited mm. hmm hmm Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I'm looking forward to hearing what you think of that one. Indeed. So series six, we've been we've been shying away from series six. I can't imagine why. But uh it is series six, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So we've finally done one from series six. Finally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that'll be good. Before that though, my esteemed colleague. Oh. Awesome, all round Hoovian. Chap. <laughs> Mr. Adam. Yeah. How have you been? How the devil are you? I'm I'm good. Um, we're we're needing our 
Tom Baker Doctor Who scarves out at the moment, aren't we? Because we're we've been hit by snow in the UK. Um, and you'd think we'd never seen snow from the reaction. I thought it was the end of the world <laughs> listening to the news the other night. It was like, ban yes. down the hatches, nobody leave, it's going to be mad. And I'm, I like woke up to it, it literally looked like someone had thrown a handful of snow on the garden uh, yesterday. <laughs> but apparently you are, we are meant to get it big. So when this podcast actually lands in a couple of days um, and you actually listen to this, it could have all kicked off. But um, at the minute, I'm sat here looking out and it's very pretty and it's a very light layer of snow and it looks lovely but yeah i'm not venturing out um i'm just staying in the warm <laughs> looking out but i am going to wrap myself up in my tom baker scarf later i might watch i'm i'm watching a lot of tom at the minute you've probably seen on my facebook that um i just i'm really digging the fourth doctor right now i mean i've always liked the fourth doctor but i don't know why i'm going through such a massive fourth doctor phase at the minute a bit like you with mccoy and um so yeah i might uh might carry on with the e-space trilogy which i started the other night and see see how that goes but uh, apart from that I'm, I'm good um before i ask you what you've been doing i must just tell you about the the great event i went to on saturday yes it's awesome. just gone previous yep. weekend yeah i went to uh phantom in chiswick um they sort of do these every month or every couple of months depending um I remember saying to you, like the guest list was okay for this one, but it was it was a really great day um, with you know the usual suspects that I see there every time, and we had a brilliant hangout. Um, unfortunately, Katie Manning, who was supposed to be there, uh, cancelled in the morning because she was really poorly, which was sad because I was really looking forward to seeing Katie again. She's um, she's always a delight and uh, really fun to meet so that was oh, a shame but um yeah. but but so uh, yeah we had a few other guests there so john levine was there being john levine i think that's all i need to <laughs> say on that he was there um I, I haven't seen him do a phantom uh before or for quite some time i mean he may have done them before but it's the first time i've i personally have seen him uh at the chiswick um church hall where they hold, hold it so that was cool uh, i got to meet omega himself oh cool yeah. Um, now I don't know. If, is it Stephen or Stephen Thorne? I'm never sure when people spell spell it with T, with T P H. So Omega. Anyway, I met him, and also he played Azal, didn't he, in the Daemons? Now, yes. yeah. I decided to get two pictures signed because I I love both those characters. So I got a picture of Omega and a picture of Azal. And um, let's just say he was a man of very few words uh he, he wasn't rude he was perfectly nice but he also wasn't very engaging either so i put the i put the two pictures in front of him he signed them and i said two iconic characters from two great stories there mm-hmm. and he just went yep <laughs> that was it <laughs> oh, went, no. oh, um can i get a picture yes and that was it so not the most chatty of people but very friendly and nice i got a nice picture with him and i'm very pleased with the autographs actually they look they look great the pictures signed uh i met fiona walker from silver nemesis you know lady was it lady pain thought or something like that um yeah something i haven't watched silver nemesis for a while (laughs) but anyway she was there she was very nice she said she really enjoyed making it and um she wished she'd pushed the part further she said i don't know quite what she meant by that but she was saying she sort of reined it in a bit and she wished she'd gone a bit more crazy with the part i, I from what i remember i mean i haven't watched silver nemesis for a while but i thought she did go a bit crazy in it but hmm. i don't know um but yeah. she was very nice uh victoria now how do you say her name um victoria Burgoyne, isn't it from sharda she was in sharda so i got That's her right. yep. she's very nice yep. 
And finally, uh, George Layton, who actually, um, he was in the Space Pirates, but the reason I wanted to meet him was because uh, he was in Minder, which is a really old TV show, which I absolutely love. And he was a great, great character show. in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I was just really pleased to meet him because I, I like his character from that. So, yeah, so it was a good day, actually. Uh, it's a shame that Katie couldn't make it. Um, hopefully she's feeling better. But as I said, just great to hang out. And of course, we went for a few drinks afterwards, as is now you know, uh, a given. Um, and it was really cool. Yeah. So looking forward to, I've already got my eye on the next one. I think they're doing a, a robots of death. Um, cause they always try and have a bit of a theme to it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're going to try and get a few people from robots of death for the next one. So yes, I'll try and get along to that. So that was me. It was a great weekend. And yeah, apart from that, I've just been snowed in. <laughs> what about you, mate? What have you been up to? I've been up to very little mate compared to you. No, no. Yeah. No events for me. No, um, Nothing of that nature. I've just been, yeah, very quietly tucked away. No who shop um, no, um, visits no. or things through the post? No, well, I'm in East London this weekend, whether I'll get to oh, the who shop or not. Oh, you know you will. I you don't know. know. You, will. you know you will. Probably, yes. Mm. Um, but it's not guaranteed at the moment. Um, I still need to do my stealth picture. I will do that at some yes. point. Uh, run into the who shop, get out the big old-fashioned huge camera on the tripod with the with bulb the big, and with yeah. the bulb yeah <laughs> and then run out again so yeah i'll try and get that done but no um uh, very very quiet and the snow is coming down fairly thick here i'm based in bedfordshire in the uk and bedfordshire, bedfordshire. Mm-hmm. and um yeah the snow is coming down it stopped at the moment we've got a little break the sun's out but it's clouding over again now and i can feel another I can Flurry. feel something big's yeah. coming. Yeah, we're going to get it hit. Actually, you've just, you're saying, sorry, just going through the shops there and talking about uh, Who Shop and FP and that. You just reminded me, actually, I'm not very happy with FP at the moment. Oh. No, I'm not. Because um, I ordered the new Doctor Who t-shirt, you know, the new logo design one that they announced the day it was released oh, and yeah. all that. Yep. Right? So I'm, I pre-ordered it. I was right there at the beginning. And uh, it's still waiting to be dispatched. And I thought, well, that's odd, because if you look on their website, it's it's showing as in stock. So maybe maybe it's the size I've ordered is out of stock. So I go and check it. No, the size I ordered. If I So in other words, if I was to order it again now, it's it's showing as in stock. But if I go into my account, it says awaiting stock, um, awaiting information from our supplier. And I was like, well, what the blimmin' next going on? Because if I, if I was to just place a new order it'd be in stock and dispatch. So I've emailed them saying, you know, can you have a look at your your system? Because it seems to be giving two different answers here and I'm, mm. I'm still waiting. Because um, Adam, our good friend Adam, the Art Mahuvian, he actually went into the store uh, before Phantom on Saturday and bought it. And it looks really nice, the actual thing, because, you know, going by the online image, I thought, yeah, it looks okay. Uh, it looks really nice. It's a really nice T-shirt. So, um, yeah, I'm just getting a bit you know, annoyed. I'm thinking, come on guys, pull your finger out. It's been, how mm. long is it? It's got to be a week or so since that was announced. At it? least. So, yeah. And it's always annoying, isn't it? When you've ordered something and then someone else gets it. Cause I saw a few people tweeting as well saying, Oh, my new t-shirts arrived. Hooray. And I was like, <laughs> just, you know, sat there with my thumbs, you know, rattling. So yeah. So I'm not very happy with FP in the minute. It's um, just as I was thinking, they were starting to get better as well. I, yeah, because they I, haven't been too bad. Remember when we first started doing the podcast, the amount of trouble I was having with orders, and then they have been a lot better uh, of late. But um, no, this could be the undoing. Do you know what? When I first saw that, you know, when the BBC released the the new branding and everything, 
Mm. And then we immediately got that link over to Forbidden Planet for the yeah. T-shirts. It, the, the first thing that came into my head was, well, they're, they're not going to be ready for now. I, I thought to myself, that's probably a couple of weeks away before mm. people getting T-shirts. It just didn't seem like they would be hot out the door, if you like, as soon as the BBC announced it all. It just felt like they jumped the gun a little bit. So I know exactly what you mean. Do you know mean. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So hopefully you'll but get it, it soon, though. Well, hopefully, yeah, because as I said, it's um, they've got them actually in store because Adam picked one up um, and it is shown as in stock on the website as well. I've checked it this morning because it's really niggling me that mine's just sat there. It's as if they've forgotten the order. You know what I mean? You start getting paranoid, don't you? So we shall see. I'll update you. I'll update you next week. But have the bun- have the uh, rant button to oh, hand right. just in case, <laughs> just in case yeah. it hasn't arrived. But yes, yeah, so, so far, no word on that. Mm. <sighs> Those yeah. beeps. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. Have the beat machine to hand because you know what I'm like. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that's cool though about Forbidden Planet is that they are making improvements to the website. So they've just launched their sort of beta version of the website. Yeah, saw that. Yeah. Which you can sort of flick over to. There's a button at the top. We can flick over to the new version. So that's sort of moved in the right direction. So you know, it's it's a lot more open now. It feels like more of a modern website, and you know, it the the products are slightly larger you know the product photos and stuff everything's yep. you know a bit more um sort of e-commerce friendly is the best way to put it uh, however it's all it all means nothing if they can't get their delivery stuff on <laughs> i point, know you know yeah. i can remember me and you actually sat having a coffee um just around the corner from fp and talking about their website because it's the sort of thing that you're involved in in work we're having a good old chat about um, you know, things they could improve on their website. Mm. That was about two years ago, wasn't it? So I must admit, I saw they'd gone beta. Um, not being a particular techno uh, guy, I didn't know what that meant. So I haven't, I've sort of looked at it, but it doesn't mean a lot to me. But I, I'm guessing it's better, is it? It is better, yeah. Yeah. Can, can you now add stuff without having to click in it, press add, and then have to go back two pages to get to the page you're at? Yes. Because I could never understand yep. why. Yeah, okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's a bonus. Yeah, that's that. That's going to save time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So no, it, at least they're making the effort because their website has been like that for years now. Years and years. It has, it? Yeah, yeah, it has. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not as bad as ForbiddenPlanet.co.uk's website. No. That definitely needs a lot of... Uh, <laughs> And needs a bit of love. A little bit of uh, UX love and attention there. But what does beta mean? I've got to, is it, what is beta? I feel like I'm out of the loop here. Beta, what does it, it mean? It, We've gone beta. I like the sound of it, but what yeah, does it mean? It's just like a, it's, it's like, um, it, it's like the, the pre-act warm up to the main event. Okay. <laughs> is right. the best way to describe it. It's like <laughs> getting it out there to get eyes on it and people to experience it gather a bit of feedback, make a few little tweaks, and then launch it properly. I guess, you. Right. Yes. I like it. Like it. <laughs> I like yeah. where you're going, lads. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, other than that, I've been up to zilch. Mm. Uh, oh, no. One thing I did get, which, oh, yes, I can't wait. I can't wait. I what? can't freaking wait. Did you see it? Because I know you did, because you ordered it, you pre-ordered it too. The Special Weapons Dalek from Robert Harris. Oh, yes. Come on. Yes, I know. And it looks great. And it it moves it as well. Moves. They put a little joint in the middle and he moves. I know. You've ordered it, have you? Of course, yeah. Yeah. Straight oh, in. Oh, nice one, mate. Yeah, nice one. Somebody on the um, Doctor Who Merchandise page said they're down to... I don't know how they know this. They're like, yeah, I've just ordered mine and they've only got 39 left. And I was like, where... 
Where does it tell you that? Because it's not the first oh, time I've seen somebody say that. I don't even know if that's true, so don't take it as given. But um, yeah, good on you, mate. Because I tell you what, I was in there straight away as well. I was like, that is an, an absolute <laughs> must. Yes. Yeah, so can't wait for that. It says it's about it says allow eight weeks, doesn't it? So yeah, yeah. Um, but that is going to be a good day when he arrives. Yeah, absolutely. Because we first saw a pre, like the the mold, didn't we? Without oh, yeah, it, and it was you know, right. and it wasn't painted. It was just that, and even that looked amazing, didn't it? Yeah. So the shape and the mold you could tell was like bang on screen accurate. But what color is the the mold? Is it like a clay terracotta? I would say clay color. Yeah, grayish sort of color. Yeah, And even then we got excited, didn't we? We were like, oh, that looks amazing. But mm. when I saw the update come through the email from Robert Harrop, I was like, crikey, Moses, mm. that looks bang on. So I think I pre-ordered it with, I don't know, within like a minute of the email coming through, <laughs> just straight on pre-ordered. Yeah. It's and it was, awesome. it's, I was going to say, it's a little bit more than I was expecting. Um, but I, I, like you, I said, as soon as I saw it, I don't care. I'm going to get it because <laughs> I'm... I know it'll be some silly price on eBay as soon as they sell out. It's they're making two hundred and fifty, aren't they? So it's yes. not yep. not a massive run. Uh, two fifty. Um, yeah. Did you get? I was going to say when you sign up as well. I think once you if you sign up to their email address, you get like ten percent off as well, which obviously makes a big mm. yeah. uh, big difference. So that's all good. I saw also the the merchandise site you're doing. Uh, they've got a code to get 25% off certain figures. And I must admit, I've really had Whoa. to resist adding <laughs> two more because I was thinking that is such a good offer. Yeah, um, yeah. But I did because, yeah, because he was a little bit more than I was expecting. But yeah, oh, that's excellent. I can't wait for us to get to get him. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be amazing. Because it goes back to that thing that sort of my New Year's resolution, if you like, where... Stuff you really want. I only get in the bits that mm-hmm. really catch the eye and stuff. And yeah. he's absolutely, you know encapsulates that saying mm. so can't wait for him yeah funny enough i nearly fell out with our good friend morgan on saturday he was uh saying he he's not impressed with the robert harrett stuff and he can't understand why people would spend that that sort of money on him and i said whoa 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 steady uh, steady Come i on. said now some <laughs> of the figures i hear you i hear you but they have got so good, I think, over you know, over time. Yes. And I th- yeah, yeah, you know, we've said this before. The the doctor figures, yes, they don't look great, but my God, the other stuff does look amazing. And this is definitely a must have. The the sea devil that we've now both got, I think, is my favourite of the lot. I mean, that is just one of my favourite things I own. So, you know, I think for the money, I actually think they're very good. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, nice, lovely hand-painted things. I'll tell you what I do want to get, sorry, just before we move on, is um, the Eagle Moss have done a figure of the Wirren, the Wirren from Ark in Space, how oh, do you cool. say it? The, yep. And um, I finally got to see the actual thing on Saturday. Someone at the convention got it, got one. Uh, and um, he seems to have sold out really quick because I, I pre-ordered him, but he hasn't. he's still showing us out of stock, so I don't know what's happening. But that looks really nice as well. Uh, and nice. I think he's about 20 quid. So if you can find that anywhere, I mean, good luck. But if you can find one, that's a, that's a good purchase as well. I'm, I'm sort of scouring eBay at the minute, but they're about <laughs> 25 to 40 quid at the minute. I'm thinking, no, I'm not paying that. <laughs> but yeah. it does look nice. Yeah, it does look good. Cool. Yeah, it's nice to see some decent merch out there. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. After, after our little dry spell. Yes. And some uh, consistent merch as well. We'll come mm. on to uh, something to do with that in the in the merch area, but um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's good to see quality yes. merch. Yeah, okie dokie. No more waffle. No, nope. it's time to land. 
do some news. Bit of news. First up, it's one of those weeks again. I know. Where we have to start with some sad news. Sad news, yeah. Uh, Peter Miles. You will know him from a couple of Who stories, most notably Genesis of the Daleks. Mm-hmm. Played the awesome, awesome scientists. Um, is it Nida? Nida, yeah. yeah. Uh, has sadly left us, has passed away at the age of 89. Mm. It's always he's always been one of those very popular supporting cast characters in who mm. because Genesis is such a well-known and well-loved story. You know, for a while they, when they were selling the DVDs of that, they had the little sticker on there that says voted the most popular. Oh Doctor yeah. Who, you know? Yeah. So Genesis has always been viewed by so many people and it's liked by a, a large selection of classic who fans. Mm. So Nida's always been, because he's such fant- he played such a fantastic character in that he's story. He's so memorable in it, isn't he? Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Um, so obviously he does. You know, he, he's in he's in the minds of a lot of people because so many people have seen him in Genesis. Mm. But uh, it's very sad. And he was also in um, uh, what else was he in? Um, Silurians. The Silurians. Yep. And a couple of um, Blake Seven. Yes, he was. Yes, that's right. Yeah, my favourite, Blake Seven. Yeah. yeah, and he was involved in the convention circuit quite a lot as well. He, he you know, uh, he, you could tell from Twitter yesterday that um, there was an awful lot, you know, of love out there for him. And, uh, you know, he, he was a character. Um, mm. uh, you know, he's definitely sort of made an impression on people. It's, uh, yeah, it's 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 sad. I, I, I met him twice. Um, the, the, the first time really sticks in my mind because it was at John Pertwee's um they did an unveiling of a plaque uh oh, yeah, a thing called polarity day in wimbledon yeah, yeah. and uh, he was there and i but it, it was just one of those things that by chance me and my friend will accidentally and this is absolutely true, accidentally stumbled into the vip bar upstairs but no one questioned us and so we didn't realize so we were just sat there <laughs> and i was thinking oh we're sat with um sat with a few people that you know should be signing later this is nice and uh, and i realized we were the only sort of like people in there apart from the celebrities uh, and he was in there anyway and i had a really nice long chat with him at the bar um he was and a lot of people said this he was sort of really charming very sort of slightly eccentric he had a you know real glint in his eye and he had he was one of these that had great stories as well because he I, I he was telling me about a film and i for the life of me can't remember what it was now but <laughs> he's telling me this great story about a film he was in and you know and it, it it was one of those that sort of went on for a bit but it was a you know a classic story um and yeah it was just really nice it's just very very friendly chap so that's you know the only thing that i can sort of give you from from my meeting with him is that i come away from it saying oh he was a nice guy mm. you know that sort of thing and very often people who play villains and nasty pieces of work on tv often are you know really nice in real life and um yeah from my two meetings with him the second one was at a 10 planet event which was very brief to be fair i just got a signature and said hello and a picture and moved on but 
you know, from those two meetings, he, he came across as a really nice guy. And, and just seeing all the Twitter stuff yesterday about people who knew him properly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he was quite the character, it seems. So, yeah. yeah. But it, as I said, it's nice that he's very fondly remembered. And, yeah, he was in Doctor Who and Blake 7, Doctor Who a couple of times. But um, to me, I, I'll always remember him as Nida because I just I, I like Genesis. I like uh, that character is iconic, I think, as well. Really Indeed. suits that story. Yep. Yeah. 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 No, it's great. So he was in three over it. So Invasion of the Dinosaurs. Oh, yes, that's right. Silurians yeah. and Genesis. But he also did a couple of bits for Big Finish as well. So oh, he was, did he? Yeah, so oh. very much involved with who, you know, far after um, playing his screen roles as well. Yeah. And like you said, big on the convention scene. Um, I tweeted out last night, actually, that my he, he was at the very first proper Who convention that I attended. That's right, yeah. Yeah, so when we went to Day of the Doctors that they did in Slough for 10th Planet, that was my first, because I'd been to conventions before that, but they were like the showmasters things where it was a collection of all sorts of sci-fi. And so that was the first just solely 100% Doctor Who convention that I attended. And mm. I stayed over in the hotel the night before, if you remember. I do, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I was down in the restaurant that night and uh, mm-hmm. Peter Miles was there with, oh, crikey, about two or three other people who were also mm. appearing at the event. And they, I remember, I think I told you at the time, but they, they did, went yeah. through like five or six bottles of wine because they already had a few beers in the bar because I was sat at the table next to them in the restaurant. I just had my Kindle there and I was, you know, <laughs> eating away. And some of the stories they were coming out with was unbelievable. Like, yeah, you know, I can imagine. Yeah, like <laughs> stories about Pertwee, stories about Tom, stories about John Nathan Turner, literally mm. the whole lot. There was, and it was one of those things where, you know, in, in that kind of environment, maybe a more, you know, I don't mean to, you know, diminish his status or anything, but maybe a more well-known, more famous personality would have kept Stum in the public, you know. They would have kept those stories to themselves. But these guys, they were just, it, it all came, after like, you know, bottle of wine number four, mm. you know, they were just, it was unbelievable. So um, that yeah. was my first experience was being just like, you know, 10 foot away. And just and just soaking it all in, all of these stories mm. that they were coming out with, it was brilliant. And he, and he was just having such a ball as well. He was, you know, getting tanked up. He was cracking up laughing every five minutes and it was amazing. And then when we met him the next day, that was cool as well because he had his kind of game face on, if you like. He had his convention yeah. face on, but all of them looked green, you know, <laughs> like they're about to throw up any minute. But yeah, he's such a nice guy. I remember you. I remember you telling me that, yeah, because I was saying, ah, they they used to go to the BBC bar. That you know, they're used to it. They they can handle it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they did look well. They soldiered on. Not one of them yeah. legged off to throw up in the loo. So <laughs> no, yeah. So it's all good. So that's the kind of. I think that's always good when you know when we report of somebody passing away, which is obviously sad, but on the other hand, we can laugh about you know the past experiences and the impression they left on us. So he leaves behind a good legacy. Um, he does, yeah, and he'll definitely be missed, especially on the convention circuit, that is for sure. Indeed, yeah. Yes. Right, in other news, this is a real strange one, this is. So we were all very sad when the Doctor Experience in Cardiff uh, closed uh, yes, last we year. Yeah. Very, very sad. But somebody who was really, really sad is the Cardiff City Council because they've been left um, with a £1.1 <laughs> million bill. <laughs> following the closure of it now i'm not quite sure how this has happened it sounds like so the cost um to sort of um 
build it or whatever yeah. or, or put it there was 2.4 million. Is that right? That's correct. Uh, I yeah. hope I'm getting this right. That's correct. So, so over the, how long was it there for? It was, it was five years was the lease. Five years. Yeah. So five years they needed to get that paid back, 2.4 mm-hmm. million. And then, you know, and happy days. But it would seem that um, that it didn't do that well. The ticket sales over that time period didn't equate to the 2.4 million. Hence the fact that when it closed, there's still a, a 1.1 million left to pay. Now <laughs> I, I don't get this because, okay, it may not have been like, you know, rammed to the doors every day, but it was there for five years and surely they must have made a decent amount of money. Um, and with all the merchandise as well, I mean, 2.4 million, I know it sounds a lot, but, you got to think, I mean, they had a lot of people through those doors, even if ticket sales were underwhelming at times. You know, I can't get my head around it, and nor can some of the people involved. So Adrian Robson, who's the leader of the conservative (laughs) opposition of Cardiff Council, said, I still don't know how we managed to lose over a million pounds on Doctor Who. Somewhere the council and BBC Worldwide have got their projections right for visit numbers. It's very strange because it's a global brand. Um, So there is confusion here, isn't there, mate? I mean, it's not just me. It's it's, something's amiss here, it sounds. It's very odd. So it's just, yeah, it's just odd. Yeah, there's... There is something that's not quite right about this story, mm. and and there there are two parts of it that, yeah, I mean the, the first part is those numbers are way off, for a start. I fail to they believe must be. that over five solid years, they didn't make you know close to two point four million pounds in revenue. I fail to believe that because, especially in the first few years it was open, it was always always busy you had to book in advance you couldn't very few times could you rock up on the day and get a ticket you had to book in advance because it's always busy you know and it was like that for years even in even in its final year you still had to book online to get a place so are you You telling me because even if so it's you know even if two million people went through those doors over five years and ticket prices are what you know yeah what were Um, they 10 15 i can't remember so that's got to be a few million all in. I, I just can't get my head around I know, it. Mate, I, know. I love that. I love the response from BBC Worldwide. They just said, yeah, we cannot comment on Cardiff Council's own business plan in relation to the site. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, we know nothing. We know nothing. We don't, yeah, just quietly in the corner. It's sort of, all yeah. a bit strange. It's all a bit sad. And I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so, so they've now got to find that money, I assume. They've now got to make that up somewhere, have they? Yeah, well, they're playing, they've got the violins out because now they're saying oh. that the taxpayer has got to foot the bill. Oh, no, know. well, that's not good. That's, you know. that's why the smile from my face, yeah. Well, but here's the thing, though. I mean, so that was the first thing that I thought was the, the numbers are way out. I fail to believe that over five years they didn't make that money back. Someone's done their charts or their Excel spreadsheets. Got to be. You know, they've had a few bevies. They've put a zero somewhere. Shouldn't have been there. I'll take them on away and, you know. Has anyone checked the back of the moth sofa? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Um, but here's the other thing. If you were Cardiff Council, right, and you had the you had the BBC and you had the people who worked at the Experience and you had the millions of fans who were saying to you, we don't want the Experience to close. Mm. keep it open if you worked at the council 
and you're like, right, let me just get this straight. We need to make an extra million quid. Mm. We've got the BBC, we've got the workers, and we've got, you know, millions of fans saying that, or, or hundreds of thousands of fans saying we should keep it open. Why don't we just, you know, give them the lease for a further year? Mm. That gives us a fighting chance of then making that million pound back. Yeah. Surely if you worked at the council and you had someone from finance saying, boss, the experience has not, you know, given us the bacon. We're a million short. What are we going to do? Let's stay open for another year or just close it. You know, surely you just leave it open and just let the money come in. I know. I just can't get my head around the whole situation. I really can't, especially with the new series coming up and a new doctor and, you know, so much hype for it. It seems to me like they've, you know, the horse has bolted too soon, really. They should have just, you know, I'm sure there are reasons, um, you know, there'll be somebody out there that will know, but I'm sure there are reasons, but it does seem, does seem crazy, but I just can't believe that. 2.4 2.4 million. I know it's a lot of money, but five years and all those people, it's, it's off, mate. It's yeah, e- even, it's got to be. Yeah. Even people like you and I, who are not, you know, we have no degrees in, in business and all that kind of stuff. You can still see that it just doesn't add up. It doesn't no. make any sense, but yeah, it, I, I fail to see how Cardiff council are now playing the sob story. And like, oh, you lot are now going to have to foot the bill because of Doctor Who and all the rest of it. It's like, hold on a minute. You were happy when it was pulling in millions of people into Cardiff and boosting tourism. Mm. Now you've closed it. You've got no one to blame. Yeah. And well, poor old taxpayers going to get yeah, it as well. That's, that's, that's not good, actually. Yeah. I've just got this vision of the moth sat on a under a palm tree on an island with a great big tequila sunrise going, yeah, cheers. <laughs> just <laughs> wants to cash around it. What happened to that money? No, I'm joking, Stephen. Yeah. We know you listen. Um, yeah. And it's, yeah. Yeah. Also, just lastly, to touch on what you said with the new series of Doctor Who coming through. Mm. Uh, that would have been the perfect time to market the experience as well if they'd have kept it open. Because one thing that we've seen um, when we've seen uh, Jodie Whittaker out on location and we've seen her making so much time for fans, a lot of that fan base has been young girls, Mm, which is what you would expect now. We've got a female doctor and so on. So if you can imagine, you know, the thousands of young female Doctor Who fans, you know, punching their parents in the arm every five minutes. When are we going to the Doctor Who experience? When are we going to the Doctor Who experience? You know, that would have been a whole new generation of fans to go to the experience and for Cardiff to get their one meal back. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, But I it's do. just oh, so annoying. So annoying. Mm. But we yeah, tried, the whole though. situation's annoying, yeah. We did try. There were petitions to keep it open and yeah. it was, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we'll if anything, yeah, if we get any updates on that, we'll we'll let you know. But yeah, yeah. it's a strange story that is. Yeah, indeed. Anyways, our metal friend, he's been. I can see his little lights flashing through the door. Yeah, let's get him in. <laughs> Merch corner. Merch corner. Merch corner. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> I was ready to really launch into this, but yeah. things have changed. Go on. Oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> oh dear. The uh, Blu-ray steelbooks that have become very popular of late, um, since they relaunched series one and two, 
on the format have been very well received. You and mm. I have pre-ordered those and lapped it up. It's been awesome because they do look amazing on the shelf. They are beautiful. Brilliant. And if they've been a little bit pricey, we've both said they're worth it. They're like a, a premium product. Indeed. A beautiful thing to have on your shelf. Yeah, absolutely. So we were more than excited when we got word that Series 3 had been announced. Mm, as a it's a great series as well. Yeah. I love Series 3. Yeah. So Blu-ray Steelbook, Series 3, we were rubbing our hands together. Then we clicked the link, had a look <laughs> at the artwork. And that's when, shall we say, how do we say this? That's when we kind of rolled our eyes and thought, ah. Someone's dropped the ball. Yeah, somebody, like the, <laughs> the, the BBC merchandise department are back to their old devilish <laughs> ways. Yeah. So over the past couple of weeks, you've heard us talk about, you know, not quite consistent branding and, you know, not, you know, things not quite being where they should be, which is why we were very happy about the new branding and the new companies involved with Doctor Who and so on. But then we see this and then we think ah, it was all in vain. Yeah. So the artwork, uh, am, I, am I correct in saying that the previous two series were done by Lee, Lee Binding. Lee, Lee Binding did the previous two yes. beautiful steelbooks, yes. Yes, absolutely beautiful, as you say. He's not involved in this one. No. And when he's not involved, it clearly all goes to beep. Because we've got, um, first of all, the artwork itself isn't that great because what they've done is they've obviously hired somebody to create the, art, the artwork in the style of Mm, Lee Binding's yeah. artwork, which is never going to work because it just looks, as you can see, it just looks like somebody's trying to copy the style. But you could never do it as well as Lee Binding did the first two. Mm. And the second thing, which every single Doctor Who fan jumped on immediately on Twitter yeah. and just flooded it with, was that they've used the wrong master for that timeline on the artwork. It's just the biggest... No, no, isn't it? It'd be a bit like putting Darth Vader on the Phantom Menace or something. It's just, it just he's not in it. You know, it's just, it's the wrong, it's just the wrong thing. I honestly thought this was just a mock-up, you know, piece of artwork. I didn't, couldn't believe it when they said this was the actual finished thing. You know, I honestly thought, because it looks like something, it looks fan-made to me. It's an absolute mess. Um, and I'm really sorry to be cruel about someone's work. I said this on Twitter. I don't mean to put down somebody's hard work because the artist, Claudia Canner, or I can't think of her name. Something. Claudia Canner. Yep. She, um, <laughs> you know, I don't mean to be horrible to her. She's done whatever the brief was given. She has slightly backtracked, I noticed, on Twitter because at first she blamed the BBC saying that was the image she was told to use. She has slightly backtracked on that, but that's beside the point. The, the wrong master aside... I've got to say, I wouldn't have liked the artwork anyway. No, and I, the, no. the color scheme, I think, is horrible. Mm -hmm. It's just a jumble of images. It looks, it, it is just the wrong TARDIS. I think it's McGann's TARDIS. They've sort of mocked up to look like tens. They've used a picture of the Weeping Angel, which is the big chief figure promotional shot so it's not even a weeping angel from the tv series. i mean That's right. that, yep. that those sort of things i could just about get over but the color scheme and the wrong master and just the overall look of the steelbook for me and as i said i'm not saying this to be horrible and you know i hate to moan but i really don't 
like it and it's um it's such a shame because i love the first two and i think that's why it bugs me so much you know it's it's because the first two just having this next to it on the shelf would irritate the hell out of me um because it just yeah like you said it looks like she's tried to copy lee's style yeah but to me personally and i'm sorry to be cruel but to me personally it's a it's a messy cover it just there's nothing about yeah. it I like at all. It really isn't. I think I said to someone the other day, I said if if a if a compulsive hoarder who buys everything like me is questioning buying it, then you know something is wrong. Oh yeah. Because yeah. I even you know I haven't pre-ordered it because I just was like no, I'm, well I know I'd end up getting it because I'd want series three still, but but yeah, it, it just doesn't do it for me at all. Um, no, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, and it's that and. This is no disrespect to the artists that they hired. No, no, I want to say that I hate to put anyone's hard work down. I really don't like doing that, but I have to give my opinion on it, you know? Of course, and it's no disrespect, but I feel like they were were guided too uh, narrowly, narrowly in the wrong direction. Because it's obvious for anyone to see that her brief was, you need to include these characters, here are the assets for you to work with, and we want you to match the style of Lee Binding's previous two. Yeah, you can pretty much imagine that's the brief she's been given. Yeah, so she's kind of closed down before she's even got started mm. because she has to use this, she has to do it in this style and so on. And yeah, the we- it's very inconsistent as well because the Weeping Angels on the back cover, the ones in the foreground have got a very um, sort of painted effect and then the one in the background has got more of a photographic effect it doesn't really match the other ones in the foreground Mm. you know um yeah it's just lots of little errors and so on so anyway the bbc have uh addressed this they put out a post on their official uh facebook page saying thanks for uh your feedback and pointing out your issues with the artwork i'll come on to that line in a second uh we will correct the artwork for the final release, which unfortunately means we will have to delay the release date. We will let you know once the new date is confirmed. Thanks for being on point. Always thumbs up. Uh, so that's good in a way. And I mm-hmm. tweeted that out. I said at last, you know, somebody at the BBC is listening to fans. Yeah. You know, and acting upon it. Because I don't care. I mean, I'd happily wait another month or two. No, for, me too. For a revised thing. The, yeah. the thing that sort of got me up you know, a little bit about it was thanks for pointing out your issues with the artwork no 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 oh. <laughs> don't don't put the ball in our court these are your issues yeah you know you, you've made the mistakes you've put this out there all we're doing is telling you that you've made a mistake you know yes we have an issue but they're not how do i explain it they're not like issues that we've suddenly thought up because we're emotionally uh you know perturbed about it you know, we've pointed out your mistakes. Don't put the ball in our court like, oh, who fans are complaining again? It's like, no, no, no. Yeah. You know, thanks for pointing out our issues would have been more, you know, accurate. So um, mm. once again, somebody at the BBC PR machine has spun that a little bit to make it sound like, oh, the who, you know, who fans have kicked off? We better They're not them. happy. Yeah. And they, and they really did kick off. I mean, the backlash for this was pretty big, mm. I have to say. Um, yeah. Like if you went on the Facebook page, every single comment and... I will say this, the majority of the comments I saw, you know, like I was saying a couple of weeks ago about people being very negative and down on stuff for the sake of it. Yes. The, the yeah. comments I was seeing on the whole were were quite, uh, you know, bordering on polite is what I'm trying to say. They weren't being nasty. They were just saying, look, guys, 
you know, this is a premium product. You've got this wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, I won't be buying it. This is, and they were, you know, it didn't seem just like people moaning for the sake of it. It was that people were genuinely like myself, quite unhappy about it because yeah. they wanted to buy it, but they weren't happy to buy it as it was. Kudos to the BBC. I will give them this. Uh, I was really pleased um, when they responded yesterday by saying mm-hmm. they were gonna gonna change it. I just thought, well, um, good on them for that. I, you know, it's probably because the pre-sales perhaps have been really low, and they've thought, oh, we better probably. do something about this. Yeah. Um, I hope that they get it right because I've got this awful feeling they're just gonna change the master, and then they'll just get another backlash. Oh, the TARDIS is still wrong, and the Weeber names it, but. Um, to be honest with you, I can probably live with the rest as long as they change the master. I think I'll I'll be happy enough. Um, yeah, but that's yeah, the main I'm just thing. glad that they've yeah. responded. It's good because, as I said, you know, as who fans and especially on Twitter, and that there is a lot of negativity around. But personally, I think it was justified on this release. I'm quite glad that people became vocal about it. Yeah, uh, because it's had a you know it's had an effect and it's got the result I wanted, which I didn't think would happen. That they're going to change the artwork, so. Yeah. And that's the advantage of hiring somebody like Lee as well, because not only is is he a fantastic artist, but he's also a a big Doctor Who fan. So if the BBC had briefed into him, his first email back within seconds would have been, that's the wrong master. Exactly, mate. So on one hand, it's like, yeah, you know, we can't expect him to do everything. He's not going to be available to do everything for Doctor Who all the time. On the other hand, it's good to have fresh new artists, but you can't close them down. You can't just say... You know, we've bringing on new talent to work on Doctor Who designs, but then say to him, you can't do this, this and this, and it has to look like that. So, yeah, whatever. And it's very, it's very cool that she's, you know, she said straight away, um, the artist, that she was totally prepared to, to, you know, redo it. And if the BBC wanted her to, so that's, that's good as well. Yeah, uh, yeah it's interesting because it sounds like, uh, from what Lee Binding said on Twitter, it sounds like he wasn't even considered. He said he wasn't asked to do it. Um, he said he you know, just has got some doodles somewhere that he had a rough plan of what he would do if he mm-hmm. was to get asked to do it. So he said, he, you know, he, he might sort of, um, he might publish those when the time is right. And I, I tell you what, I'd love to see what he would have done. Um, I think he'll probably <laughs> hold off on, you know, publishing them for quite a while because he won't want to, you know, be disrespectful to the, to the artwork that's been used. But when they do get published, I'll be really interested to see Lee's, you know, rough ideas of what he would have done. But yeah, yeah, I do feel a little bit sorry for the artist. I mean, she's I taken yeah. a real pummeling, and um, you know, it's not her fault nope. to an extent, is it? It's um, not really. it, I mean, somebody no. did say she's not seen the show. I mean, that is the problem. When you get something wrong like that, you do have to say, "Well, as a Dot Two fan, now I clearly know that's wrong, Master." But yeah, I don't know. So, how do we know she's not? She might not. She might have seen the odd episode of Doctor Who, but. I mean, she she's done some be. nice covers for the Titan comics, you see. I mean, she's, I assume she's a fan and does watch the show. So I'm going to put this, I'm going to say, um, I'm going to put this pretty much down to BBC Worldwide's feet, really. They're oh, yeah. the ones who yeah. approved it. Sounds like those are the ones that have pushed her down this direction. Those are the ones that didn't ask Lee Binding to do it. Um, it sounds to me like they were trying to cost cut, if I'm honest with you. It's the, that's the only thing I can think of. But, you know, Lee Binding's done two beautiful steel books. Maybe just they were just thinking, let's get someone a bit cheaper, or let's get someone with a different style to make it more interesting. Who knows? But either yeah. way, not sure it's the right decision. But anyway, yeah, because I bet in a little tiny way, Lee's sort of sitting there thinking, "This is what happens when you don't get, well, get me involved." You know, this 
because surely that must have crossed the BBC or or their minds a little bit. You know, they surely they must have thought, oh, I should have got Lee on this. We wouldn't have had all this if we if we'd have just well, hired Lee. If I was in charge of BBC Worldwide, the people I'd have involved would be Lee Binding and Clayton Hickman. And they seem to be the, the Clayton they seem to have really peed off lately with the whole shard debacle. And Lee Binding, they've now not used it. I don't know, but those two guys, if you want to get stuff right, <laughs> there you there you guys. There you guys. I'll tell you what, Will Brooks is all right as well. Will Brooks, yeah, another yeah. good one. He yeah. knows his, yeah. his who inside out. So That's his stuff. Yeah. Anyways, lesson chapter read, lesson yeah. learnt. Yeah, so we'll update you on the release date because it's obviously going back. I'm not too bothered. I'm in no rush for it. I'd rather have it yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, well, we're waiting for that to be released. So there's some lovely Target novelizations coming out. Cool. Uh, five new issues. Um, and these look lovely, actually. <laughs> they, again, though, did come under fire for <laughs> the artwork because they have used images from different episodes. They don't bother me so much on these. I don't know about you, mate. Like, the rows on on the book rose is is from series two it's not from stuff like that so again you know it will annoy some people that they've used the wrong artwork i think tenant on the christmas invasions from the end of time so that's bizarre but i think the artwork looks quite good i can go with this so the new book's coming out is city of death uh, by james goss the day of the doctor by stephen moffat himself uh, twice upon a time by Paul Cornell, which I think is rather interesting. Mm. Uh, Rose by Russell T. Davis. Yes. Glorious. <laughs> and uh, The Christmas Invasion by Jenny T. Colgan. So there's five new books uh, coming out. When are they out? Quite soon, isn't it? Around April, April. time. Yep. April Around the April 5th. time. Yep. April the 5th. Um, yeah. What do you think of the artwork, mate? Does it bother you that they've messed up a little bit or do you think they look nice? Well, I, I'm not going to be too bothered about this one and I'll tell no. you why. Because I know some listeners will be thinking, hold on a minute, you can't complain about the accuracy on the steel book. I know. But yeah. they're not. And I'll tell you why it doesn't bother me so much on these target books. Because if you're going to say, well, they've used this image from this series or whatever, the whole thing just falls apart anyway because mm. they've used the classic Doctor Who logo for modern Doctor Who stories. Yeah, yeah. So the whole thing is not really The concrete. whole thing is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I keep thinking you know back I mean? to the original Revenge of the Cyberman VHS with the the wrong, <laughs> we had like an Earthshock Cyberman or something. You know, I know these things happen, <laughs> um, but something about the, but it, it doesn't bother me at all. I think it's because no. I actually like the the artwork itself on, on these. Yeah. Um, are you going to be getting all of these? Because I think they're really nice titles to have. I think that the stories they've chosen to go with are, are really good. Yeah, well, um, we'll be getting these as for review copies from BBC Books. Oh, right. So um, we'll we'll have a flick through. We'll have a, a glance through and and give you some thoughts back on what we think to them. But uh, from what I can see so far, especially the, I mean, like you, I'm excited that RTD's back and is yeah. writing for who, which is awesome. Uh, we heard from the Moth when we did the, um, you know, when we went to the Day of the Doctor screening yeah. and he was talking about him writing the novelization of this so we, we know about that um but also um paul cornell and james goss really good writers for who i don't know too much about um jenny colgan um, no i must admit i don't either actually but but excited anyway so um but the covers are really nice i'm so glad that they've stuck with the the old style target design you know and they haven't tried to, to redo anything there it does look mm. very very cool it yeah. does. I'm really intrigued to see what Paul Cornell does with Twice Upon a Time, actually, because it was such a weak storyline. 
I'm hoping True. he can work yeah. a bit of Cornell magic on that and bring it up to being quite a good story. Yeah. Um, so I'm quite intrigued by that one. But yeah, it's great to have um, Russell T back doing a novelization of Rose. That's very exciting. I can't wait for that. Can't yeah, wait. I'm really yeah. looking forward to that. Um, I must just say, actually, before we, we move on, um, there is a fantastic signing uh, happening for these books at Forbidden Planet on Friday the 13th of April uh, between 6 and 7. They have got all the authors there, apparently. I find this incredible. So wow, wow. if you can get there, Jenny Colgan's there, Paul Cornell's there, Russell T. Davis is there, James Goss is there, Stephen Moffat is there, all in Forbidden Planet signing the book. So if and if you buy all five, apparently you get a free poster as well. Um, I think that's incredible uh, to have the Moffat and just the Moffat and Russell in the same room and with those guys. So if anybody can get to that event, that's the London Megastore of Forbidden Planet on the 13th. It's an easy date to remember as well, isn't it? Friday the 13th. <laughs> and it's job done as well. I mean, I've got no hesitation in you know bagging all five of them. So Oh, absolutely, mate. Me bring too. on the poster. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely awesome stuff. So thanks very much to our tin friend. He's already gone. I don't know why I say no, that. No, he's gone, yeah. He yeah. buggers off after he just slams it down. And, and <laughs> he don't hang around, does he? No. That's news and merch done and dusted. It's time for our review. Yeah. Adam, I know you've waited a while for this one. I have waited 36 <laughs> years indeed to do this. <laughs> what are we reviewing this week? So it is the 11th Doctor story, The Girl Who Waited. Welcome to the Two Streams facility. Will you be visiting long? Where am I? You're in a faster time stream. Find somewhere safe and leave me a sign. Remember, you're immune to Chen 7, but don't let them give you anything. They don't know you're alien. Their kindness will kill you. Baby. You didn't save me. So I have to choose which wife do I want. Which one's only one? Do not be alarmed. This is a kindness. I hate him. I hate the doctor. You told me to wait. And I did. A lifetime. If they touch you, you go to sleep. Do not be alarmed. This is a kindness. Rory! Oh, Murray's music going full pelt there. Full pelt, yes. Yeah. In 7-3. In 7-4, sorry, not 4-4. Four, four. What? The, the the music that they played to death. Oh, Matt I see, Smith's yes, era. yeah. It's oh, in the 7-4 time signature, not the standard 4-4. Four, four. Of course. Yes. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the girl who waited first came to our screens on the 10th of September 2011. Mm. It was part of Series 6. It was written by Ooh. Tom McRae <laughs> and it was directed by Nick Hurran. Mm. Overseen by the Moth Bag, as always. <laughs> and <laughs> it stars a very small cast. This one, it's essentially yeah. just the Doctor, Amy and Rory with a couple of little voices thrown in. So, oh, and the, the story is um, the Doctor wanted to take Amy and Rory to what he described as the very clement planet of Appalapu... Uh, oh. Yeah, I can't remember how he says it, Appalapa. Appa it's another one of those, isn't he? Yeah, Appa, yeah. Appa, uh, Appalapusha. Appalapusha, yeah. 
Appalapisha, something like that. Let's, let's uh, go with that. But yes, but when they get there, it's um, it's very evident that uh, they're not going to see much of the picturesque planet because they land in just this solid white room. Rory and the Doctor go through one door. Amy goes accidentally through another door. Their time streams uh, go out of whack somewhat. And then the rest of the story is essentially about the Doctor and Rory trying to reach Amy. Time is moving what they feel is a normal pace, whereas Amy's aged, um, was it 36 years before they, yeah, they find her? Yeah, 36 years, yep. yeah. So she's had to survive these um, the hand bots that have been uh, wandering around, trying to quote-unquote cure um, Amy from potential sickness, but uh, because they don't know of her DNA structure, you know, if they were to administer anything, it would kill her. So she's been surviving in the underground section of the Cardiff Millennium Building. <laughs> and uh, when they do catch up, she's very, very reluctant to be saved and sacrifice anything. But in a touching moment, she does. And the young Amy is saved back in the TARDIS with Rory and the Doctor. And on we go to the God Complex. Yeah. So... The girl who waited. What you got, mate? What your what your feelings on this one? Right. Well, my feelings on this one are. Um, I think probably our listeners know I'm not a fan of Series Six. Um, we've revisited a couple of episodes, actually. No, I'm not, oh, I'm not a big fan of it. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, not a big fan. We have reviewed a couple of them. Um, I always dread it when one comes up that we're going to do. Um, but I actually, to my amazement, uh, really, really enjoyed rewatching this last night really enjoyed it um i think looking at the list of episodes and you know this may change as we review them but i think this might be the only episode from series six that i actually really enjoy um it's uh, it's a good simple story the visuals i know it was supposed to be low budget so it's very simplistic with its sets but i think it looks visually brilliant um there's some nice uh graphic work would you call it the gardens where they've done some yeah, some post production to the guns. It mm. looks great, um, and uh, it has an emotional punch at the end of this story, which hit home, hits home when I watch it. Which is a good thing because a lot of the Moffat stuff doesn't land for me. Sometimes I'm sat there thinking, "You're trying to make me cry, Moffat, but you're not." Uh, but this one actually really, you know, I find a heart wrenching the ending, especially when Matt sees the old Amy running towards the door and he looks and thinks, no, you got to stay out and shuts that door. <laughs> oh, that yeah. moment I was like, oh, I did a proper inhaler breath last night watching that. Um, no, I tell you what, I think um, this hits the mark for me personally. I, I enjoyed it very much. It's a good three hander. Uh, I know right. the doctor's not in it very much. It's a doctor light story, which I'd forgotten about. I uh, see. I did like it the first time I watched it um, back in the day. What year did it come out? 2011. 2011 was it yeah i remember thinking it was all right but it didn't grab me back then but i yeah very much enjoyed rewatching this last night i have to say what do you think yes i would say that this is a lovely little gem oh you like it oh good i don't know i was worried you wouldn't yeah, yeah. i think it's a lovely gem nestled within a very mediocre series definitely yeah because yeah. we are quite vocal on that you know series mm. six is not the greatest in our opinion I very, yeah. I hardly ever watch it. Yeah. yeah. It's a bit like our series nine. It's a bit like, <laughs> I think I, yeah. You know? Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's just one of those episodes where 
it just kind of works from start to finish for me. Um, you know, and we have some lovely interactions as well. And it's one of those, I think for me, the reason why I like it so much is because the performances really sell what's going on. I don't Definitely. think I've ever seen um, Arthur Darville really, you know, emotionally go for it like he does mm. in this story. I mean, there are a couple of others where he is quite emotional, but this one, he's really going for it. And so is... Um, uh, Karen Gillan, they're really sort of acting their socks off, mm. if you like, because they've been given such a, a good script, it seems. So like, it is a good script. Yeah. yeah. So the premise is very simple. They haven't tried to overcomplicate things with other stories, especially from series seven, actually, where they had the potential to be just good, solid stories. The moth normally throws in a a timey-wimey spanner and we end up going across, you know, big story arcs and stuff yeah. a bit unnecessarily at times. Whereas this one, it just, it's just a really cool little story that's not, you know, shrouded in bad special effects and it's not collapsing under the weight of any big story arcs or anything. It's just a good, solid emotional story, which is why I like it. Mm. And I think you're right about that because it's, um, because it is pretty much a three-hander with the three main cast, mm. they are really pushed to the limits in terms of their performance, aren't they? So they are given so much more meat on the bone to work with. And they all step up to the plate. I mean, I actually thought they are working so well together, these three actors, you know. Um, yeah. And we yeah. get to see a lot of potential that we didn't get to see in other stories, you know. I mean, they they, they really do, like you said, sell the story to to us mm-hmm. um whereas i think sometimes i keep thinking back to the uh the dalek one we reviewed recently asylum of the daleks where amy and rory start having this emotional scene in the middle of you know um the dalek sewer <laughs> and it, you know oh, it yeah. doesn't even compare to the writing in this where they're having an emotional scene together it's so much more believable um i think one of the reasons i, I enjoyed it so much last night as well is because the amy rory relationship is so unevenly written and you sometimes right. think you know, I always feel a bit sorry for Rory because, you know, Amy seems to sort of be after the doctor for whole of series five and then series seven, they've apparently getting a divorce. It's so all over the place in this story. We get to see how much those two characters love each other and yes. it's not done in a soppy soap opery way. It's done in a very emotional, hard hitting way of that. Rory's got to make the choice. And the humor in this, I'll tell you what, there are some really funny moments in this story, which I completely took me by surprise because I don't remember laughing so much the first time I watched it, but I think it's more Rory, uh, Rory gets a lot of the humor to do, but there are some great moments between Rory and the doctor in this, the scene where Rory's got like old Amy and new Amy and he's stuck in the middle. I think a lot of guys can sort of, um, you know, appreciate that scenario. Maybe, well, maybe not uh, with two of the same person, but you know what I mean? Being stuck between, these two very strong personalities and it's so funny to watch in the middle of quite an emotional scene as well yeah it's uh yeah as yeah. i said a fantastic script by tom mccray um and it's just yeah it's performed beautifully i think the cast are fantastic in it they're really really good yeah it's great stuff isn't it visually good as well isn't it like the you know like the white rooms very simple yeah. You know, just keeps it simple. And then you go into the garden and love that. Um, sort of almost Alice in Wonderland type. The yeah. trees are all done in this funny shapes. And yeah. it's, it's really cool. It looks yeah. really good, actually. 
Yeah. And I think simplicity is the key to this story. Mm. Because if you try to do too much, it takes away the the focus of the emotional aspect of the characters, which is why having the simple storyline without any big time, because there is a timey-wimey aspect to it. And that's just at the heart of the, the pacing, really, which is the two time streams get divided. And then it's about the Doctor and Rory kind of catching up to her time stream and trying to rescue her. But then ultimately the Doctor realising that they couldn't be two Amys. You know, yeah, well, that's such a good scene. This kind of paradox. So he's kind of lied to Rory in a way. Yeah. And then when it comes to the crunch, he's like, look, we can't have both. You've got to choose one or the other. So in a way, yes, it is timey-wimey, but that's just the core of the plot, you know, and the story. Um, it doesn't get too timey-wimey in, in the respect that something happens and then you think, where are we? If that make, you know, in some stories yeah. you think, right, well, where are we then in the time stream or in the someone's timeline? Where, where, what's going on? You know, you, you're never lost in the story, which is cool. And then the, the, the sets are very plain and simple. I think the, the most elaborate thing we see is Amy's little den that she's made. Oh yeah. In the underground, um, where the engines are. With her robot Rory. Yeah. Yeah. So that's probably the most elaborate thing you'll see in terms of sets. Everything else is very clean cut and futuristic. Like the, um, like you said, the pure white rooms and you know, when she's out in the lobby in the, the Wales millennium center in Cardiff, yeah, you know, that's all been cleaned out and minimal and it looks awesome. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I just, I just love that part of it. I, I love that they, they stripped away more than adding things in, hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Cause, yeah, because the story needed it because it's one of those things where it's really down to the actors to sell this to us, mm. you know. And if, if stuff got in the way, then they wouldn't have done that effectively. So, yeah. And like I said, some of the performances are brilliant in this. You won't see much better than this in Series 6, I would say. Oh, I wouldn't have said so. I was going to say, you're talking about the design. I love the fact that we they don't overuse this either as well. But, you know, like sometimes Rory looks through that big magnifying glass oh, he's yeah. camera it's yeah. not i know it's not magnifying glass but you know what i mean that thing mm. that he's taken that prop and he sometimes looks through it to see like the the other sort of universe if you like and that's such a nice idea mm. and then you do it a couple of times it's not like overused at all it's just that one bit where he shows amy her younger self when he's trying to convince her to to let go yeah. that's another great moment as well because you just assume that as soon as he says we can fix it yeah. um yeah you come back with us, we'll sort it out. And she's like, no, I'm not, I've, you know, I've done it. I've lived this life. I'm not, I'm not going back. I mean, that's a, cause you sort of think what, like I, you, you suddenly put yourself in her shoes and think, well, would I go back or would I, yeah. or, you know, or would, would I sacrifice that I'm going to disappear? And yeah, again, some great sort of hitting moments in this that really yeah. hit home, you know, like that. Very yeah. cool. And I'm really glad that Karen Gillan pushed a little bit to say, I'll play the older Amy, because I think if, if what I read a while ago still is in my memory banks, but they were going to get an older actress to play. They were the older Amy, and Karen Gillan was like, "Well, no, if you make me look older, I think I can play it, you know, convincingly." As because I think the danger was that she was just going to be a Amy, but just with sort of aged, you know, prosthetics on, mm. where she actually um, you could tell that she had studied. You know, so her voice was a bit different. The way she moved was different. You know, her whole, you know, um, she well, she did actually convey a, an older person. It was really well done. So I think that was their 
reluctance at first was that she was just going to be Amy as she normally was, but mm. they just slapped some wrinkles on her. No, she does a really good job because she does feel different. It's yeah, not just the look. Um, yeah, I think she had a voice character or something, but she she obviously worked on it. I like that. I like the fact she went to the effort of, of doing it. I'm glad mm. that she did it herself. I think it would have felt weird if it was another actress because this really brings home it's the same person in a you know different time or whatever. Yeah, so I like yeah. that. One thing me and my other half both said, though, was that the prosthetics, I can never say that word, the, the makeup <laughs> was good. It made her look older in the face, and her performance was good. But why didn't they give her do something with her hair? Like her, she's still got the same. Like she, we were saying, she should be grey, or at least like her hair should be greying or something. Oh, I see. Right. Do you know what I mean? It just would have. It needed that extra layer of making her look old. I just can't understand why they did all this stuff with her face. I read you. But her yeah. hair's still absolutely perfect. <laughs> um, ginger red you know flame red hair that she's got um it may sound a strange thing but we both said that we were like she should look her hair should be like graying or or at least have a few gray hairs in there but it's absolutely you know head and shoulders perfect <laughs> you know um it That's just true. would have i don't know just would have added to the sort of aging of her because otherwise it is really well done mm. and she does act it brilliantly actually i mean the scenes where she's doing the whole samurai you know um killing all the robots at the end fantastic stuff yeah you know she really feels like a different person she yeah. does and that's that was absolutely needed as well yeah because it, yeah like i said if she was just playing just same old amy but just aged a little bit it would have knocked that out of sync it would have been like oh you know we can tell it's just you know the same old amy but just her whole persona you know how she spoke and moves and everything was just completely mm. different to the younger amy so absolutely, they just nailed that. It worked so well. It does. She's full of anger, isn't she? She's, she is. The older Amy is really, as you would be if you've been yeah. fighting to survive for 36 years, she's absolutely like done in. Um, but she's kind of got used to her lifestyle, isn't she? She's like, well, no, I've kind of done it now. I've got After 36 years, I'm kind of, yeah. I've found my own way of surviving. And also, know? this is not the first time, is it, that the doctor's kept Amy waiting for... No, quite a few years because it's kind of a, it's kind of a little nod, isn't it, to, um, uh, the eleventh hour. Hour is that? Yeah, yeah the Matt Smith's very first story where he buggers yeah. off and leaves her. She's sitting on the little suitcase, isn't she, in the garden? Yeah, waiting to go. And then I think it's was it ten years later, he turns up and she's a she's a an adult now, and you know, so it's not the first time that the doctor's left her. <laughs> No, <laughs> just wait in there. So you can imagine, you can completely see why she's a little bit miffed, hmm. so to speak, because she seems uh, like she's always the one left behind. And he does get it in the neck from oh, both Amy and Rory, doesn't he? Crikey. The doctor. Oh, at the end, he, they're really laying into him when Rory flo throws the glasses off. And oh, yeah. I did feel a little sorry for him actually, thinking, well, <laughs> it's not like he's done it on purpose, but yeah. Do you know what? That was one of the first, one of the very first times for me that we actually saw the, what's the word? We actually saw the appeal of being with the Doctor shattered almost in Doctor Who, modern Doctor Who. Because mm. we've had little sort of digs at the Doctor before, like Mickey has always had a dig at the Doctor and um, Jackie Tyler's always. Oh, Jackie. Know, she's yeah. always, you know, digged away. But this is the first time where we've seen one of the companions completely and utterly lose it mm. and just, and it's almost like, cause 
it started with Rose, really. Because you know when the doctor turned up and Rose was all kind of, she had stars in her eyes and, Mm. you know, the appeal of travelling with the doctor in space and time was just magical, almost. Yeah. And she skips off through the TARDIS. And we've seen it many times. This was the first time where Rory's like, hold on a minute. You know, the well-being of my wife and my relationship far outweighs all of this you know, magical fairy dust that you seem to sprinkle over people from now on. You know, mm. it was the first time that he just, no, I'm not having it. You know, because he, he really shouts at the doctor, doesn't he, at one point, And he's like, yeah. you know, he screams at him almost. You know, he's like, you're t- you're turning me into you. That's right. You yeah. know, and yeah. he's, he's very, you know, he's rightly so, he's really upset. Mm. Because not only is the prospect of, you know, earlier on in the episode, Rory faced the the prospect of, just losing Amy completely, would they be able to locate her and save her? Then he asked, then the doctor puts him in that awful position where he's like, you're going to have to choose. It's the older Amy that we're here with, or it's the younger Amy that we can say, you know, it's Mm. Rory's, he just, he cracks, doesn't he? He's just. And you know what? I love that twist of the fact the doctor has to lie to him. Mm -hmm. It's the only way he can get him back to the TARDIS, isn't it? It's to, is to lie. Yeah. Um, And, and as I said, that shot, when he sees her running toward the old Amy running and he thinks, no, no, I've got to shut the door. So good. Fantastic piece of television. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you also, cause at that moment you think, what? What's going on? Yeah. You know, why would the doctor do that? And then, it's his face, isn't it? I mean, it's yeah. the way Matt Smith plays that that scene. He's just—you could see everything going through his mind, can't you? You can just see it yeah. in his eyes. He's yeah. thinking, "I really don't want to do this. I really don't want to do it, but I've got to do it." The door is shut, and then the yeah. hand of the window—it's brilliantly done. I've got to say, direction by Nick Curran is fantastic in this episode. Yeah, the yeah. the shots—you um, know—we get like some high shots of the TARDIS with with old Amy outside. It's <laughs> beautifully shot yeah um, did he do any other doctor who did he do any others i nick haran the name i'm just gonna have a quick look television i think he has done a couple more oh, yes he's done yeah. so he oh he did the next one actually he did the god complex oh he did asylum of the daleks blimey angels take manhattan their last one. Oh, and he did the day of the doctor yep blimey so he has done yeah mm-hmm. well that's you can see why day of the doctors are very good um direction as well but yeah i just thought the shots he got in this were, were beautiful considering the minimal sets they were working with and like you said you know they're using um cardiff millennium center which is quite a obvious mm-hmm. looking location um yeah. he manages to make it look different so yeah very nicely directed yeah he done a couple of things for sherlock as well didn't he oh he did some sherlock as well yeah yeah, yeah. very very good director because he mm-hmm. wasn't able to attend the day of the doctor screening at the bfi he was out in America. He's directing that brand new Netflix Altered Carbon series. Oh, is he? Oh, he's done well for himself. Then I, yeah, I've just started watching that actually. Yeah. Well, actually, when you look at things like this, some of these really cracking, beautiful-looking episodes from who you can see why he's being snapped up. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So it does look gorgeous, and it's got a really clean look about it as well. I, I mean, mm. like him and whoever else is working on the production. So the camera operators and the director of photography, you know, he must've really, you know, got them guys, you know, working and, you know, to the best of their ability because every scene is just crisp and, you know, it's all good. Yeah. I was going to say, even, even making a white room look good is, <laughs> you know, is, is not easy. Yeah. No, it's really difficult because you've, um, you've got so many um, uh, things to contend with. So you've got shadows and, 
it's not easy. A lot of people think, oh, it's just painted white walls. You just turn up with a camera, but it's really difficult. Yeah. It's really difficult. I was thinking of that scene in the, um, uh, what's it called? You know, the, the, I always think of Missy. There's like a water fountain that the same location is used, isn't there? There's a bit in the Neversphere where Missy, I think it's the bit where Amy walks out into the nice garden, but she sort of walks around the water fountain and it's the same location as Mrs. Neversphere and all that sort of thing. But yeah, just stuff like that. I don't know. I just thought overall for the minimal locations they had in the sets, it, it all just worked brilliantly. Yeah, it does. Mm. It does mm. work really, really well. Mm. And what do you reckon to pacing then? Because this one moves along at a... Very nicely, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not got... It's not rushed. It doesn't feel rushed. No. But at the same time, it doesn't feel like a slog, if that makes sense. It's got that really nice, just well-paced scene. I was going to say, it's a yeah. very nicely, perfect little slice of 45 minutes, isn't it? Because yeah. sometimes people say, oh, that would have been a good two-parter. No, this didn't need a second part. Absolutely. It's just yeah. a really nice little... Um, solid 45 minute story and yeah i thought the pacing was really good there was absolutely no moment at all when i even thought about checking my phone last night i really didn't i watched it from start to finish i was really engaged in it Uh, and as i said so was so was my partner actually because um i normally watch these things on my own when i've got the house to myself but because of timing and work and stuff i I put it on when we were together and i thought oh i'm gonna get it in the ear in a minute you know (laughs) not doctor who again um but but no we we both watched it and we both really enjoyed it actually so yeah but again the pacing i think was part of that yeah Mm. absolutely not once did i reach for my phone and it's not checking twitter or instagram or anything it was yeah but yeah there was no there was no lull in the episode at all is there i think because the beginning first sort of five to minutes you're asking yourself what's going on because mm-hmm. I, I love it when they do then dot two where they've come up with this concept that it's a very simple thing she they press the top button she presses the mm-hmm. bottom button the yeah. end of in totally different rooms i love stuff like that you know where someone's thought of something clever that's really simple yeah and yeah. you know so for the first 10 minutes i was totally engrossed in it because i i haven't watched this for a long time you know i was i sort of roughly remembered the story but yeah, I just was totally engrossed by the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. no, me too. Uh, what did you think to, because like I said, it's a very small cast in this one and there isn't, yeah. um, there isn't a kind of villain or monster, so to speak, is there in this one? Oh. There's no sort of, you know, horrific looking monster or alien that's, you know, playing the baddie. Um, but we do have these robots, don't we, that are littered throughout the the, the complex um, the hand bots. The hand bots. Yeah. What do you think for mm. this? Because it's always really interesting when you have a faceless kind of monster or something in Who. And I think they played on that a little bit because as soon as you put a face to something, when we saw Amy's um, android <laughs> that she had uh, captured and drew a face on, it immediately yeah. becomes cute. Yeah, it did. Do you know yeah. what I mean? But when you don't yeah. have a face on it, it's like, are they evil? Are they good? they bad Mm. you know so what did you think to those because i thought they worked reasonably well yeah i did because like you said they're actually trying to do a good thing because they're supposed to be cleansing the place or whatever and um yeah so they're not actually a bad guy but obviously you don't want to get um stung by one (laughs) but you know whatever they're doing Mm. so yeah again it's nice it's something different that um this threat in the episode is a is a genuine threat but it's not because they're trying to take over the world or do something else. It's just because they're actually trying to save it. So that is a lovely twist. Um, the design of them, I suppose, fits the episode because they are very simple, aren't they? They've got no, they're just a white robot. Like you said, no features, nothing. Um, it's cool when they're 
faces opened up though completely forgotten about that yeah like you know when yeah. he he um it's like a, i don't know what it is like a gun in the middle of his face or something completely forgotten about that so when it first did it in the episode last night i was like whoa that looks really good mm. that is a really nice effect it didn't look dated it it was a cool design slightly reminded me of um the demigorgons actually from stranger things this sort of you know face that opened up um so that was really cool it just added a nice something to a very otherwise very plain looking robot i thought yeah, yeah. That's the good, voices yeah. are quite creepy they remind me a bit of the voc robots from from robots of death you know this is a kindness mm. this is a kind it's very sort of like that sort of genteel voice but also slightly unnerving you know I know what you mean. And it's interesting yeah. you mentioned the Demogorgon from Stranger Things because mm. I thought of that as well because the way it opens up and you've got the uh, the, the, the needles, it looks like, around yeah. the edge and stuff. It very much looks like that. It's very it looks, cool. Yeah, it looks a bit horrific as well, though. It looks a mm. bit like bloody hell. You wouldn't want to mess um, with it. No. Uh. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I quite like those handbots. I think they, they've got that best of both worlds where you don't have to... Um, you don't have to put a face to something for it to be fairly menacing or creepy. Mm. Um, you know, and at the same time it, it can be that if it needs to be. So for the most part, when they've just got their hand up and it's like, this is a kindness, mm. you, you know, you think, Oh, that's not much too much of a threat because they outrun them fairly easy. And, um, you know, and Rory managed to take, he takes one of them out by smashing a bloody painting over it. That's the only bit where I thought that was <laughs> a bit weak. That's the only, yeah. if I had to pick one tiny little niggle, it, I don't know if it's the way it's shot or whatever, but that that's a little bit, because it's just, it's so papery, isn't it? The picture he smashes over its head and it just dies. I thought, yeah, oh, yeah. that was a bit to it. I probably would have cut that if I'm honest, but anyway, because I mean, Amy's clearly, um, hardened up a bit in those 36 years because she's taken the hands off the one that she's got as a pet and she's he's, she's <laughs> like i've disarmed it ha 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 <laughs> and he's got no hands at all so that's quite quite savage i do but again i love it because it shows that she's really had to toughen up and for her own survival and stuff um i love what the suit they've given her as well she looks proper it looks like it's thrown together but it also looks really cool you know her mm -hmm. sort of warrior outfit i really like that yeah, it looks cool, actually. It does have yeah. that. Because you mentioned earlier, she's got this sort of samurai thing going on. Battle guard, yeah. Yeah. So it's cool that she's developed her own kind of armor and she's found a sword and so on. It's it's cool yeah. that she's... I, I like that. I didn't think about it too much at the time, but when I think back about the episode, it's really cool that she, she sort of builds herself up into her own person. By the time yeah. that the Doctor and Rory find her, she's already sort of survived for years and years so she knows how to deal with the handbots because she knows how to sort of short circuit she knows she's chopped the hands off of one of them hasn't she and she's kept yeah. one as a i don't want to say as a pet but like a bit of company, no, companion sort of, yeah. yeah um so she knows everything and she's got the whole action samurai thing going on and she's also made her own little sonic device she calls it a sonic oh, pro yeah. do you remember yeah, because that's another nice bit of humour, mm. isn't it? The Doctor's like, what is it? She's like, it's a probe. Oh, all right, then probe. And so much good humour in this story. Mm. Yeah. So I like I like the fact that when we do finally catch up to her, she's grown into her own person. She's mm. self-sufficient. You know, she's a bit of a badass. And then when, the, when they catch up to her, like, right, we found you, we're off. She's like, oh, uh, no. You know, yeah. you don't just turn up and whisk me away. I waited for you. You didn't show. So, I mean, that's really the thing that about this is really a showcase about 
Amy's character, really. Mm. You know, the whole thing is just showcasing just how strong of a person she is. But at the same time, just how in love with Rory she is. You know, that's what I really like about yeah. it because I find a lot of the stories with Amy and Rory, they're almost written as if she's settled for him. As if, oh, you know, he's not really the man I imagined I'd end up with, but I like him anyway. You know, there's always this sort of underlying feeling that she's never, you know, that she's sort of made do with Rory a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. Whereas this episode, it really, I like it because it really brings home that they genuinely belong together, if you know what I mean. It seems that, that you see the love between the two characters, which I think is sometimes not there in a lot of stories. Um, because as I said of this, some of the things that Karen, do, uh, sorry, Amy, not Karen, <laughs> Amy does, um, you know, and, and this silly divorce thing in series seven. And stuff. Oh, but, right. yeah. yeah. But this is the first time where the relationship really feels real. I feel, you know, I can really see why they're together rather than having this sort of, um, you know, yeah, I've sort of settled for Rory sort of thing. Like he's, you know, not good enough for her, but yeah, didn't want, you know, couldn't get anyone else sort of thing. So I like that. I like the fact that we see this proper relationship between the two of them. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly what, I think was intended and comes across because in some mm -hmm. episodes, little things like that, they can get lost a little bit, which is what I said right at the beginning where sometimes if you try and do too much or if you overcomplicate things, you do miss those little things by, so by keeping it everything simple, you really focus in on the emotional side of things with those two. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it does feel like a little bit like Rose and Mickey. A little bit. Yeah. With those two yeah. sometimes where Rose was all over the doctor and Mickey felt like a bit of a third wheel. Yeah. You know, and sometimes it's the case with these two. Amy's all over, especially in series five. Series five. She's yeah. all over him. I don't like all that stuff. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And Rory's just a bit, oh, this is great now. Sort of following um, around a bit like a sort of lost puppy. Whereas, yeah, this two, they're both firing on all cylinders. It's, it's a nice um, character piece, actually, for probably more for Amy, but, but for the two of them, I think. But, you know, it's yeah. really nice that she gets time to, to shine, if you like. Because I think a lot of the episodes... Rory always gets the humor, humorous quips that he throws in, which are always good, and he always delivers them well. Amy often is grumpy in the episodes and just goes around moaning to the doctor. So it's really nice that they get something, you know, as I said earlier, a bit more meat on the bones, a really decent script from both to get to get involved with, you know. Very, very, very cool. And, yeah. and I do like that as well, because sometimes it's all well and good having a character like Amy who's very strong and... You know, a lot of the time she comes across like she doesn't really need Rory. You know, he's there because she chooses to be. Yeah. You know, yeah. she doesn't. Yeah. Need, whereas in this one, she, you really feel like, you know, Rory's her entire world, mm. you know. And it, although not at the beginning, because she reminisces about being back in school and she reminisces that, you know, plenty of other boys will were sort of all over her and Rory was, yeah. you know. But then sort of something clicked and she saw Rory in a different way. And that's when she realised that, you know, she is, you know, completely in love with him and you know, all that stuff. So it's nice to see that little vulnerable side of her that, you know, that she is completely in love with Rory and they're meant to be. Mm. A bit soppy, just, but, you know, it, that's that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it doesn't, yeah, it never goes into that sort of smaltzy, it never goes too far with the emotional bit, I don't think, because it, um, you, I was sort of on the edge of my seat to an certain extent in, you know, in the terms of when she wants to get in the TARDIS, when the doctor's locked her out and Rory actually, he's got his hand on the door lock, isn't he thinking, should I let her in? And he's really got to make that choice. It's heartbreaking. And he actually does mm. turn the handle to let her in. And then she says, 
don't you dare open that door. She suddenly realizes that she's got to let him go. Mm. And that is a very strong scene. I thought of her, um, you know, just saying, you keep that door shut, mm. you know, you got to leave me behind. And then the TARDIS takes off and obviously we're away. And, but that's great. Uh, the fact that he almost caves in to open the door and it's her that stops him after all, she's sort of said before that, you know, again, fantastic bit of writing and really well performed yeah Very just thinking well. about it now i just thinking how much i loved that that end piece you know the end scene i was really not edging my seat that's probably a bit of exaggeration but i was really like engrossed in it thinking oh my god he really wants to, he can't you know poor rory <laughs> being put in that position of having to make that choice and he's actually gonna let her in you know it was yeah it's really good yeah that was heartbreaking that scene and and that's what i that's why I feel that Arthur Darfield really acts his socks off. He steps up to the plate big time. Yeah, because yeah. he's crying his eyes out. You can tell that it's gripping him apart, you know, having to make this choice. And, you know, the conversation they're having on either side of the door, you know, because she finally realizes that, you know, after that little conversation between both Amy's about just how much they do love Rory, mm. the, you know, the younger Amy's like, you know, you, you know, you'll do it for Rory, so, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And then when she gets there, it's that self-sacrifice as well that, that pulls at the heartstrings because she's like, don't open the door. Yeah. You know, don't let me in. And then the hands on the glass, it's a bit Titanic. And mm. it's very much a romantic um, feel to it, hasn't it? It's very mm. emotional, but it, it works so well because you've got the doctor sort of in between. You know, you've yeah. got him sort of masterminding the, the a little bit. You know, he's telling a couple of white lies because he needs to get Amy back in the TARDIS. And then he's got that harsh bit where he shuts the door and oh, it just works brilliantly. I love I, the more we talk about it, the more you know, it's one of those. That's why I mentioned that little gem in it's Series a ge- 6. Yeah. It's a hidden gem, mate. As I said, yeah. I never go back to Series 6. No. I look at the box and the episode and I think, no, thank you. Um, again, I've said this a few times now, but this is one of the joys of doing the podcast is that I really enjoyed this episode. I'll definitely watch it again. Um, it might well be the only one from series six that I do <laughs> go back to, um, until, unless we review it, do you know what I mean? But by choice, it'll be one that I'll happily watch again. And I loved it. Um, I was going to say, I thought, you know, I was talking about Murray's music earlier as well. I thought Murray was Murray Gold's music in this mm. really worked well. Um, especially the emotional scenes where sometimes he can be a bit turning it up to 11. Um, but I felt he got it just right in this episode. He sort of kept it minimal uh, to some extent in terms of the setting as well. But yeah, I just thought Murray's music was beautiful in this episode. I agree. Really, really did a good job. Yeah. Really good. Just really minimal, just like the look and feel of the story. Mm. Um, one thing I did like though, <laughs> it's a little bit of a, you know, uh, but the, the the music I am the doctor you know they played it in every episode yeah because I love that piece of music anyway I think it fits yeah. Matt Smith's Doctor perfectly but what I really liked in this episode was that they played it for Amy so the bit where towards the end where they decide right Rory did something he ripped out the power cords and he's oh, reconfigured yeah. them and stuff and the doctor said right you got ten minutes to get back to the TARDIS so Rory does that. And then something happens there's, you know, um, between the two Amys or something. And Rory says something like, oh, God, you know, the wife and the wife. Yeah. You know, he's sort of trying to get his head around it. And then the handbots turn up and then, bosh, a bit of action kicks in and they need to get back to the TARDIS. So um, I am the doctor that that music kicks in 
but mm. it's not for the doctor it's for amy when she's wielding the sword and she's cutting That's down great that bit i love yeah. that they use that for her because mm. you know it's just a sort of little um uh, a very subtle way of saying that amy is you know really doing it for this story the centerpiece yeah. yeah it's not quite it's not all about the doctor all the time sometimes mm. someone else can you know really sort of throw down if you like Mm. and get the job done. So I, I really liked it. I think just overall, mate, um, I think the direction, so Nick Huron, the moth, and Tom McRae have put together a really great little story. Yeah, as I said, it's a it's, it's a perfect slice of 45 minutes of, of good story and, and beautifully produced yeah. as well. I mean, I, there's very little, like, I can't really fault it. Um, as a, yeah, it's, it's a really good little story. Like you said, in the middle of a very mixed series. Um, yeah. and, uh, yeah, I was gonna say, I, I completely forgot that it's one of those in brackets, Dr. Light episodes as well. Mm, um, yeah. it's very much, he's there, but he's mostly stuck in the TARDIS, isn't he? Now I'd forgotten that, uh, until mm. I rewatched it last night. I, I thought he was in it a lot more than he is, but the scenes he is in Matt Smith's absolutely superb. I mean, as I said, he, you know, a lot of it's done just by his face, like that scene where he shuts her out and he's great with the humor of Rory. Him and Arthur Darvo are so good together. Yeah. Uh, in fact, the three of them are good together. And that's why I like the fact that it is just the three of them really, uh, apart from a couple of tiny little uh, supporting cast members like the robots and the voices and stuff. But it's mainly just the three of them carrying the whole episode. And, um, you know, they do it brilliantly, I think. They do. Yeah. Indeedy. Is there anything you want to mention, mate, before we get on to scores? We've uh, no, quite a bit. No, I don't think so. I think we've covered it. Uh, right. Scores it is. Scores on the doors. Right. Um, Whose goes it first? It's me. You. First, okay. Yep. Yep. Uh, so I'm going to give this a nine out of ten. A nine? Yeah. A nine, eh? I'm slightly beneath you, but only slightly. I'm giving it 8.5. Okay. Well, 8.5. What was the point five taken off for them? Um, or added? I don't. I don't know. Yeah, no. It's. A, I was going to say it's not. It's not quite a nine. It's. It's not a ten. I don't know. It's just a very enjoyable episode. It's. Um, I don't know. It's not. It's not a classic, uh, by any means. I, in my view, it's. It's just a very good watch. Right. Um. And I. And I thought it was a very good story. But uh, I wouldn't. It doesn't. For whatever reason, it doesn't have that nine or ten status for me. It's okay. not an absolute classic but um but yeah I'd, I'd watch it again happily and i will watch it again and it's funny so you know if anything it's the savior of series six for me but uh i'm we'll see as we as we <laughs> review more of series six i may change my mind i don't think i will but um <laughs> we'll see but it's definitely yeah yeah a very good episode 8.5 yeah i stuck with a nine because um i just can't really find much fault with it I'll be no, honest with nor you. can I really. Yeah. I mean, as I said, I can't fault it. Um, I just don't think it's, it, there is perhaps something missing to make it a 10 or nine or 10 for me, but it's, yeah, I can't think of much negative to say about it at all, if anything, actually. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. Cause initially I thought before I watched it, I thought, oh, I remember watching this a, a year or so ago and it's, uh, it's probably a six or a seven. Exactly what yeah. I thought. Yeah, I was expecting to be around a six. I was expecting to be around a seven. Actually, I remember thinking yeah, I liked yeah. it, but it wasn't great. Is how I remembered it. But uh, yes. yeah, no, it's a lot better than I remembered. Very yeah. good. What did our listeners think? Mm. Let's jump over to Twitter. We did our normal poll, and eighty-three percent said likey. 
and 17% said stinky. Stinky. Yes. 17 stinky people and we had a few comments on twitter itself so um silent nerd c137 said underrated story uh and what a performance from karen and arthur you really get to see how much rory loves amy unfortunately the 11th doctor takes a back seat in this episode but he rocks the green coat kind of wish he wore it more eight yes i like the ten. green coat yeah. yeah he does rock it eight out of ten did you give it yes Yes. Thanks, Nathan. Uh, moving on, uh, Ben Moore. <laughs> I love his uh, Twitter name. Uh, ben Moore is on Raxacora Fallopatorius. <laughs> Very nice. nice. So it's perfect. It highlights and expands Amy and Rory's relationship together with how that affects their own individual relationships with the Doctor. Mm, yep. Uh, Tardis Net 66. Uh, this could have been brilliant. Has a great performance from Karen and love how the Doctor becomes the villain of the story. However, it suffers from poor pacing, a boring, a boring villain which lacks any threat, and a real lack of creativity and world building which makes it dull. Oh my goodness! Oh dear, Tardisnet. Oh dear. Uh, Marcus Walker says one of the most devastating new Who episodes, and also one of the most underappreciated. One of Matt Smith's best. Nine out of ten. Mm. Uh, Johnny Kilroy says it perfectly elaborates on Amy and Roy's relationship, which also, uh, while also delivering a story that is brilliantly intriguing to watch, that combined with some very nice camera work and shots makes for a brilliant episode. Eight point five. Okay, that's good. Same uh, as me. Who else do we have here? Um, Tardis Files HQ says, <laughs> "I still think Bill Potts is the real girl who waited." Mm. nevertheless i find this story a fun watch and great performances by all the cast especially karen gillen enjoy this one eight out of ten yeah okay uh sarah louise baggett the hoovian uh, running hoovian says this was one uh, this one was far better than i remembered mm, uh, me too. I'm, I'm not a huge amy fan but karen delivered the role well it was also good to see some fiery passion in rory and matt smith portrayed a very humble doctor mm. An engaging story um, and delivered a good level of scariness, emotion, and intrigue. 8.5. Oh, excellent. Cheers, sir. Uh, over on the Facebook page, Jeff Waddle says, simple story but memorable for the acting of everyone involved, especially KG. Just proves that an actor is limited to the <laughs> script that they're given, and when the script is right, a good actor will shine with it. Mm. Uh, Matt Smith gives a cracking performance too with the alienness of the Doctor in that he that he has morals that are different from humans. Yeah. A wonderful contained story, probably the highlight of Series 6, 9 out of 10. Oh, nice. Paul Villano says, brilliant. The only real opportunity Karen Gillan had to show her acting skills and a gut-wrenching plot with a surprise and terrifying conclusion. Five stars. I'm saying she does shine in this. I agree. She really does. Yeah. Mm. Lewis Blackmore says this episode truly exemplifies just how good Karen Gillan really is. A really well-written story by Tom McRae with fantastic direction from Nick Huron. However, I'm not a massive fan of the hand bots and wouldn't really say they were much of a threat. He gives it 8.5. Okay. Kevin Mullen says a truly memorable story with a heartbreaking moral dilemma at its core. I think this is one of Karen's strongest stories and is a testament to her acting ability that she gives us essentially two different roles, uh, characters. Hmm. Arthur and Matt are also on top form and the direction, design and music are of the highest standard. 
I yep. utterly love the girl who waited and give it 9.217632 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> I always love stuff like that. <laughs> uh, very precise. Uh, Rob, uh, Rob Kernick says, a middle ground Doctor Who episode for me, watchable certainly, and some interesting dark tones to Matt's Doctor at the end, 7 out of 10. Seven or seven, okay. Sammy from Down Under says... Sammy? <laughs> says, written by Tom McRae, who wrote the series to Cybermen two-parter. It's yeah. a good story, this one. Very emotional. If you're a big Amy and Rory fan, you'll be in floods of tears. For me, I'm not a big fan, but I like them. But I never liked how Amy treated Rory. Yeah. Uh, I like the garden, the handbots, and the interface. I give it seven out of ten. Cool. Uh, let's have a look. Oh, talking of the interface, did you notice that she referenced another planet from Clom? Dis- um, Clom. 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 Yes, yeah. I did notice that. Yeah. yeah. Disneyland on Clom. And it's, um, what's her name? Emilda Staunton, isn't it? Yeah. Who a lot of people know from Harry Potter. I know Potter, um, yeah. someone who met her recently and got to sign something and she was like, oh, goodness sake, I was only a voice in it. You people. <laughs> so obviously not too impressed. Okie dokie. <laughs> uh, right moving on Lewis Palmer says very good character study of Amy I've always really liked it it's simple but effective seeing the two Amys play off of each other is a lot of fun but it also leads to some excellent dramatic scenes every time I watch this I always think that everything could have been avoided if Amy had just pressed the right button yeah it's well true well that's the thing <laughs> would have been a short story wouldn't it yeah it's a bit like the Matrix the red or the blue pill it would have been over quick if he took the other one yeah, and think and turn left. We make decisions like this every day. Just yep. think about that. There you go. Yeah. Yes. Uh, he goes on to say that Arthur Darvill is very good. Overall, an interesting and dynamic story, which flows very well. 7.5. Joseph Howarth says, honestly, one of the better stories from Series 6. I don't know why it had to be in the middle of a series that personally, to me, is an overall mixed bag, but it certainly delivers in terms of its execution. Mm. Uh, the acting from the Doctor, Amy and Rory, especially Amy, is amazing. The only gripe I have is that the handbots are just not very threatening to me. Um, mm. uh, it's a shame we didn't get to see uh, Karen do more serious acting in Doctor Who because this is probably her best work. Um, episodes like this one in Series 6 actually stood out for me and was more consistent. I give it a 9 out of 10. 9, okay, that's good. Joe Sweeney, brilliantly, absolutely brilliant. Despite mm-hmm. second part of series six started off badly and ended up with a disappointing conclusion. This episode, I would say is one of the best highlights. Yeah. The actors have been given all decent scripts and story to work on. Karen and Arthur gave their best performances yet. And Matt shines as always nine out of 10. Oh, nine. Cheers, Joe. Miles McKenzie, quite a forgettable one for me, uh, but it's a nice little story with great acting. The handbots are a nice wee addition to the Hooniverse. The story really shows how good Karen is. Overall, 7.5 out of 10. Okay. Uh, Also, a random fact I found is that the garden Amy finds is the same location they use for the nether sphere. Yes, I noticed that. Uh, Lee Clow says, love this episode. Despite being mostly about Amy, I think this is the episode where Rory gets to show how good a character he is. Mm. And Arthur Darville nailed his performance, as did Karen and Matt. Uh, Eight out of ten. George Puddy says, so the girl who waited the first ever Doctor Who story I watched back in 2011 when I was seven. Blimey. Wow. Um, And and I was hooked instantly, although how I understood some of it back then is beyond me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Just a simple uh, forgetting of the phone causes a major catastrophe. The idea of Amy being older 
when they come back is genius. Um, and I found the handbots to be quite creepy back in the day. Uh, the best mm. part, though, is the tension between Rory and the Doctor and how the Doctor is really the villain. Uh, I give it 9 out of 10. Oh, okay. High well, school. Um, Clay Crow says, one of my absolute favourites. This one is amazing. 9 out of 10. Jason Thayer, some great acting. 8 out of 10. And lastly, Mark Daniel Mooney says, fantastic performance from Ms. Gillen. So mostly positive there, isn't it? It's only the one slightly negative. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Um, and as we speak, a review just dropped in as we we're recording. So last one, Luke Allen says, a memorable story. I don't recall it being bad, but I hardly ever tend to revisit. There are some good gags throughout, and it's a very clever yet simple story. Really odd to visit the Millennium Centre after this. <laughs> mm, uh, it's yeah. a great story, 7.85 out of 10. Very precise. Okay. Very precise. <laughs> so that is the official Facebook page. Did you have anything over on the Geek's Handbag? I did, yeah. Uh, Dean Jones left me a lovely long review. I'll, I, I won't read it all out because the time-wise, but if you want to see it, head to the Facebook page. Uh, but basically, Dean says it's a terrific overlooked story. Uh, it's the best part of Series 6, he says. He'd love to see Tom McRae return to write for the show again. And Dean gives it a 10 out of 10. Wow. He loves it. Bradley Willard, one of my favourite Maximus episodes, a beautiful character piece for Amy and Rormy, demonstrating that only a handful of characters can still make for an utterly touching, heartbreaking story. It's fantastic. Fantastic, says Bradley. Gives it 9 out of 10. Patrick Sherwood says, This story is okay, but it's not the best from that season, really. Gosh. Uh, but I don't mind it, uh, as the 11th Doctor is good, as is Amy and Rory. Uh, he gives it an 8.5 out of 10. I wonder what he thinks is better than this in Series 6. Anyway, perhaps he'll tell us next week. Callum MacArthur says uh, he loves this story. It's one of the hidden gems of Series 6. Karen, Arthur and Matt are absolutely brilliant in it. And the bit at the end with the hand against the TARDIS windows is simply heartbreaking. Oh. 10 out of 10, Callum. He watched it last night, I remember he told me. And finally, Charlie Turner says, when I first watched this back in 2011, I thought it was okay. Now that I've revisited it after so many years... I think, with the exception of the handbots, it's a beautiful episode. Also, very heartbreaking. Didn't didn't have me in tears, but still uh, feel really bad for the older Amy. Gives it nine out of ten. Uh. He also says, didn't think I'd give an episode from my least favourite series, series six, such a high rating. Well, same as me actually, Charlie. I was very pleasantly surprised by this because uh, it was for a series six. So I think we're on the same page there. Mm. Yeah. Some really high scores overall. That's nice to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for sending in all your stuff. It's been great to hear your views and opinions. As always, next week, we're venturing down the path to classic Who. Yeah. It's a bit of Seventh Doctor action. What are we doing next week, dude? Ace. Ace, <laughs> right. And next week, um, we are doing the Seventh Doctor story, The Happiness Patrol. Build high for happiness. Oh, no, that's a different story. Anyway, happiness <laughs> patrol. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, the candy man. The candy man, yeah. Little, nice little three-parter, isn't it, that one? Yeah, little three. A little little three, three episodes, yeah. yeah. So give that a watch. Yeah, very big supporting cast, as we have with some of the McCoy ones. Yeah, Margaret Thatcher's in it, isn't she? She is for a wee bit, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yes, it's... Uh, yeah, crikey. I only watched this one a couple of weeks, a few weeks back as well when I was going through my McCoy watch through. So it's fresh. I'm going to watch it again, obviously. But uh, you know, I know there are going to be a few bits in this that you're going to, I just know what your opinion is going to be. 
I just I haven't watched this for a long time because I think I watched it when the DVD came out and I remember thinking like all the bright colours in it were bleeding through the screen if you know what I mean they're all flashing because the TV couldn't handle it so yeah I'm looking forward to um, giving this another watch for sure absolutely Bob mm. <laughs> and I think we'll see you there for 178 okay Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for sticking with us and listening through episode 178. It's been fantastic talking through all the Who stuff that's been going on in the Who-universe. Sad news about Peter Miles passing, but he does leave behind some fantastic characters for us to enjoy. Absolutely. Interesting news as well. We had a bit of a ranty show this one. I'm surprised mm. the rant jingle didn't come out, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we had a bit of a ranty show. The uh, the epic fail on the season three, <gasps> on the series three. Still you book. said it. Yeah, where's the swear jar? Mm. Yeah, so the fail on there. Cardiff Council having a whinge when they could have done something about it, i.e. keep it open. And uh, the target books for the some of the modern stories look fantastic. Mm. So it's been great talking through that. And thank you so much for sending in your reviews and thoughts on The Girl Who Waited. Mm. Next week it's Classic Who, so get your dubs out. Get your dubs out. Give The Happiness Patrol a watch. It's only a three-parter, so you can do that in the evening or before breakfast. (laughs) Depending on what time you have breakfast. (laughs) In the meantime, head over to our website www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk where you can listen to all of the previous shows on there and it links off to all of our social networks where we chat lots of who in between our Friday episodes so give us a look on uh, give us a look give us a follow or a like etc on all that stuff Facebook, Instagram Twitter all that jazz Uh, you can also find us on all the podcast directories namely iTunes that's our that's the big one uh give us a, a subscribe on there so you never miss a show and um, on all the others as well so just do a search for Big Blue Box Podcast and you'll find us uh, remember to check out Adam's channel The Geek's Handbag Geek's Handbag Geek's Handbag The Geek's Handbag Geek's Handbag come and get your handbag <laughs> plenty of geeks <laughs> loads of awesome videos from Adam on there yeah I must do some new ones I'll do, do some loads. soon yeah. <laughs> so until next week for 179 my name's Gary my name's Adam and remember Eh. Uh... <laughs>